Hey everybody, welcome to new uh, the last episode of New Metal March. The last one. The last one. We can finally stop taking can... notes on 93 songs every week. We are limping towards the end, but we're <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, it's we're doing Corn um, Issues, the album from 1999, and I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get into it. Yeah, we're here, finally, again, the penultimate, and I don't want to say finally, because I have enjoyed this month, but I am ready to move on from New Metal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel the same way. You know, we're ending on one of my favorite bands of all time. Korn is still one of my favorite bands. Um, I was talking to Ben, who's been on the show a bunch last night about it. He's actually went through and just listened to the Korn discography once I told him we were doing this, and he's making me want to go back and listen to their newer stuff. Um even though I haven't been a fan of their newer stuff that I've listened to after Take a Look in the Mirror. Uh, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. They're still making music, and it's worth me listening to because they are, again, one of the bands that really shaped who I am and who I listen, and how I listen to music for a lot of different reasons. So, um, yeah, Issues is another... It's like a, it's like a, It's their first album after they really became part of the like pop culture stratosphere, so it was interesting. It was an interesting... P- chance for them to kind of sell out they don't they didn't really i think all they did is just kind of laser focus their 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 themes and, and tones and stuff like that so yeah and we've been watching a couple of youtube clips yeah. uh, which i'm going to add into our show notes but there's there was like a whole release show that they did on uh on uh mtv what do they call it like Spanking New Music Week. That was the thing every year on MTV, and it was awesome. And uh, the last day of Spanking New Music was uh, was Corn Issues that year, and it was really, really cool, man, because they did the whole album cover, like, fan-submitted thing, which was really funny. I remember watching that segment, and like, fuck, man, I could have been in that. Yeah. But the bit, the album they picked, cover they picked was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they also have, like, a whole three three bands are the cover, and then Corn yeah. picks their favorite. Yeah. Um, it was just a really cool place in time because that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. It was kind of weird to watch TRL because I hadn't, or Carson Daly because I haven't seen him on anything I, in such a long time. I also think he's a vampire because Carson Daly hasn't aged a single bit. He's gotten a little bit puffier. <laughs> yeah, cheek, cheeks are a little more fluffed <laughs> yeah. out, but he definitely does not look different Looks at all. Looks the exact same. That's, I mean, that's 20 plus years ago now. Mm-hmm. So It's crazy. Yeah. I've got some facts for the album. Let's hear him. Uh, first fact is this is the first album that singer Jonathan Davis was sober for. Yeah, I think I knew that too. It's pretty obvious in, yeah. in the song lyrics. Um, we talked a little bit about it already, but there was an album cover contest. A man by the name of Alfredo Carlos, which sounds Great totally made name. up. Yeah, right. That's, <laughs> that's, a, like, that's a stage name for sure. That's the name you come up with with your buddies when you go to a bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> We're all using different names this weekend. Yeah. I'm Alfredo Carlos. <laughs> That's the Michael Vick Ron Mexico, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he won $10,000 and had his art featured for the album. Uh, they also picked three alternatives. Yeah. 
uh, what, what was that for deluxe or just? I think they just you got them randomly. Like they they distribute them out to the store. I can't remember exactly, but I think you could just get them randomly at stores. Yeah, and I'm gonna post um, for our Instagram picture. I'm gonna post all four of them. My favorite one of the alternate ones was like it's kind of like uh, one of them is in like a straight jacket almost. It's mm-hmm. like a not anime style, but it's it's kind of it's very cartoony. It's like I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, I've. It does kind of look anime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely anime style. Um, it's really, really fucking cool. Uh, that was my favorite one. That's the one I wanted. I ended up getting the regular, like, torn apart doll cover. Yeah. But. Which, yeah. Yeah, they're all pretty cool, but could have been us. <laughs> could have been me at seven us. years old. <laughs> Uh, they were featured on a South Park episode mm-hmm. uh, a day before Falling Away From Me was uh, released as a single, and they introduced the song on South Park, which is awesome. Um, Korn uploaded Falling Away From Me as a free MP3 file on their website against their label's wishes as a gift. Fans were encouraged to sign the guest book on their site, and a donation was given to child organizations for the signatures, and it ended up raising over $250,000. That's it's there's, not bad. There's that's not n- many artists that are that generous anymore. Yeah, that's nineteen ninety nine dollars too. So that's that's uh, you know inflation's been a bitch since then. So that's I mean that's awesome. I mean it, this is the back in the time you know when Napster was still on, on and popping. So and Lars Ulrich was in court fighting Napster, and so for Corn to do that to just give away their music for free like that, at least one single anyway, pretty fucking dope. Like that's very like fan forward, very fan thinking and. They talk about it in that spanking new music week video. They're like, "Yeah, we we're pioneers of the internet. We want to be known as that, which is kind of cool." So, yeah, it aged really well. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, it went platinum three times in one month. That's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah, that's Bef- crazy to me. Before the end of the year, because I think this album came out in November of ninety yeah. nine. Uh, before the end of the year, it was three times platinum. Unheard of now. That's, I mean, just for, think about that for a metal album, dude. In its first month, going platinum three times. So that's I don't know if that's happened since. I mean, certainly not for any sort of the metal that I listen to. No, <laughs> it's just it's crazy. And I talked about it a little bit last week. Like that's this is the last time like anything metal was really in the like forefront of like pop culture. Um, I knew it was popular. I guess I just didn't know. I knew Limp Biscuit was popular. Yeah. I had no idea Corn was this popular. Yeah, Corn. I mean, Slipknot even a little bit. System of a Down was coming around around this time. I think they released their first album in '98. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Static X was. People loved Static X. So there, I mean, there was a lot of this stuff that was in like very much in the forefront of popular culture. And it's it was a wild time. Think looking back at it because. This shit wasn't really super family friendly, and no. it's uh, it's it's heavy music, and it it was really kind of a cool time for music because a lot of different shit offshot from this t- t- period of music. So, I I would love to see it happen again because I love metal, and I'd love to see like a more like legitimate form of metal. That not that new metal isn't legitimate. I think there's some really good shit in there, but like real real metal be mm-hmm. popular again. I know it would never will be, and I think metal metal a lot of metal heads prefer it that way, but. I don't know. It was a cool time, man. Yeah. Uh, you, this this fact might blow your mind. Uh, it debuted at number one on Billboard 200, so it's mm-hmm. the second album in new metal march that we've talked about. Yep. That was number one. It beat out Dr. Dre's 2001 on the same release week and Celine Dion's greatest hits of the 90s. God damn. Whew. God damn. <laughs> that, those two alone. Like, Dr. Dre only has, what, four albums? And this was his second one after... 
think it's only the two, isn't it? It's the Chronic and the Chronic 2001, and he's done a lot of like production work. I thought he had one. He, he might. I don't know. He hasn't. He doesn't have that many albums. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So this, yeah, it was the first one after Compton and yeah, crazy. Yeah. And to beat Celine Dion in anything <laughs> is a feat in itself. <laughs> I mean, this is she was still incredibly popular after Titanic. So I mean, she yeah. was at the height of her popularity at that point too. So crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. The the hold that Corn had these fucking weird ass punks from Bakersfield. Um that spelled corn in a weird way, a backwards R or with a backwards R and a K. And, uh, they just, they took over pop culture for a little bit and it was awesome. It was, like I said, as a metalhead, there has rarely been a cooler time. Yeah. Um, so did you already get your, your opening thoughts out? Uh, kind of, um, more generally for corn. Um, they were a bucket list band for me. Like growing up, I was like, I have to see corn live at some point. And it just so happened that the first live event that I ever went to was Ozfest in 03. And they were one of the headlining acts on the main stage. It was a great main stage. It was, uh, Marilyn Manson, disturbed corn, Chevelle and Ozzy, obviously. So Holy shit. yeah, it was a great main stage. I saw all the remains there as well on the second, there was a lot of really good second stage bands too there. Um, but yeah, I got to see one of my favorite bands in my first ever live show, and that just fucking blew my mind, dude. My older brother wasn't super into it, but <laughs> he's the one that brought me. But I was I was fucking losing my shit. Yeah, I was like a sophomore going into junior year or something like that, maybe. So I was late to the live music game, but to have one of my favorite bands like that that looks to this day has left a lasting impression on me. Yeah, you know, I got to I got to do that and knock it out the right way. Um. And it's just like I talked about it before. It was they were they had a chance to sell out, but there's something about Jonathan Davis and his sincerity that he he's never going to do what's popular. He's going to do the music for him, and if people like it, great. If they don't, fuck it. Like that's kind of the way he looks at it. And he he talks about it in a couple songs here too. So yeah, and some of those videos we watched were pretty indicative that he's not comfortable being like the center of attention no, either. He's no. like he's the, had a fucked up life, man. So. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really fun album. I would have never guessed this was a number one. I a lot of new metal, especially people like Corn and Slipknot. I always associated it with like kind of being like like down a darker path that mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't go to. It was more for like the guys that were the like the guy in the video with the uh, the necklace, <laughs> yeah, the dog collar. Yeah, th- th- those are the people I expected to listen to it. I didn't expect it to be a number one album. Well, those are the people that were listening to it. It's just that was what was cool to be at the time. You know, this was the time of Jinkos, man. Jinkos and wallet chains, and <laughs> this that was that was what was cool to be. And then you know, for like a very brief period of time, freaks were the cool guys, and that's I think that's why I cling to this shit so much because it is such a, just a weird like blip on the radar. Yeah. I the only I have some nitpicks that I'm going to get into later, but the song structures are kind of annoying sometimes. Where interesting the momentum and Slipknot last week was just like foot down, mm-hmm. down on the the gas, and sometimes it feels like the songs that should be I want to throw my fist through a wall slows down on the verses, and that that is like my only complaint. That's like one of my favorite things about Corn is really? their song structure. Yeah, the way they, they they do it a lot. They do it in almost every single song where the 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 verses kind of slow down and there's very atmospheric guitars, but then they bring it back and they laser focus it and everything plays in time for the choruses and it just it's it's fucking awesome. We'll get into it, but yeah. I think that's interesting that my favorite part is your least favorite part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> 
but I get it. I totally get it. I, I, I understand that not liking that because yeah. it is weird. You want me to go first? Sure. Yeah, that works. Okay. Uh, so first one is dead. Ooh, a bagpipe intro. <laughs> yeah. This this is setting a very cool tone for for this album, um, and all the the lyrics is like, "All I want in life is to be happy," yeah. and that's so cool. Yeah, and you would expect something like maybe darker or like I don't know where it sounds creepy, but it's like something kind of sincere and kind of sad like all oh. i think that's it's more sadness like yeah. the, the, a lot of this shit is very sad mm. <laughs> it's, it, it, like i said jonathan davis is a he's had a fucked up life man and he kind of he his outlet for it is music um so yeah i think that all i want in life is to be happy happy <laughs> i think that's him like like whispering like fuck man i just want to be fucking happy like why can't i be happy yeah there's there's a few times where like some of the whispers and stuff kind of play as like maybe his like like the yes. devil on his shoulder there's a lot of inner monologue type mm-hmm. stuff so uh it seems funny to me how fucked up things can be every time i get ahead i feel more dead mm-hmm. damn that's yeah. already more poignant than anything else we've had this whole fucking <laughs> that's month so true. uh the intro yeah the intro is awesome yeah. and this is like hell yeah this this is like the best version of what we've been looking for mm-hmm. in uh new metal so I'm glad we waited to do it last because if we did <laughs> Limp Biscuit last, yeah. we'd probably be like, we're never listening to new metal again. Yeah, no, I'm really happy the way we did it. I, I always wanted to do Corn last because I've been saying it for weeks now. They're they're the perfect new metal band. Mm-hmm. They just they got it. They they were like I said, they were on the forefront of it, and they just they did it right, man. And they, they just every single musician in the band is incredible. Jonathan Davis is one of my favorite vocalists of all time in metal and just just in general. Um, but yeah, this, this is how they used to start their live shows. Like Jonathan Davis would actually plays the bagpipes and he would slowly rise from the stage and there would be the, oh, like the fog behind him with just the one big like floodlight behind him and he would play that and it was, and then they would, you know, drop it out and then they would all get in position and start playing it. But it was really cool. Like it's a really cool way to start a live show too. Just Jonathan Davis and his kilt and his fucking natty dreads and slowly rising up playing the bagpipes. And it's just like, are we at a fucking metal show or what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, it's just really cool. Like Jonathan Davis is a weird dude. And, um, but one of the other things I want to touch on here is you get a really, really good feel for, uh, if you've never listened to corn, David Silvera, Silvera's drumming here is you get a really good taste of it. It's so full and so, it's deep and impactful. It's, it sounds like he's he's making every single hit with max effort every single time he plays, and it really gives it this like very. And almost, it's almost like you're at a firing range, and you're just hearing just just rounds being popped off every time he plays drums. And every single he, there's not a soft hit in any of these, even though there there is, but it doesn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's playing with fucking hammers. <laughs> So I love, love, love his drumming. I don't love how he's acted in the last few years, but to me, there's not a better drummer for Korn. He's perfect for Korn. All these members together are perfect. You can't replace any one of them and have the same product. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so if we're done with Dead, we'll move on to Falling Away From Me. And, you know, again, if you've never listened to Korn, Corner the masters of taking ugly sounds, smushing them together and making them sound cool as fuck. Like, cause if you listen to any single one of these like instrumental tracks apart from everything else, like the, 
the sum of the parts are not great, but when you smush them all together, it's fucking, it's just somehow it's just really cool. They, they found a way to make like discordant sounds and then write them in such a way where when they play them, they sound really creepy, but also sound good somehow. It's, it's always baffled me, man. Cause like you listen to this shit individually and it's like, that's that note isn't right. It's not really in tune with everything that should or what your ear is expecting, but it's, but it is somehow it's really great. Um, and you know, I talk about it here. You know, the the verses are always filled with a really atmospheric guitar and punchy bass. Uh, Fieldy and Fieldy, the bassist, and Dave Silveria, the the drummer, together. What a pair, man! I know they kind of hate each other now, but they just sound so fucking good together. Like the tune down, Fieldy slapping the bass. You can, it's almost like you can see when you hear Fieldy's bass, you can almost see the strings bouncing off the pickups. Like it's it's, it's like. He's playing basketball with his bass strings. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's very different from what we heard last week, where Slipknot was very much a chaotic, just un, unbreachable wall of sound. Like that, that's more of like a shotgun blast. This is more of like a fifty caliber sniper rifle, mm-hmm. where everything is kind of there's a lot of like silence, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, it laser focuses in, and you get everybody playing all together in this really heavy riff. And it's just, it's awesome. They're the masters of rhythm, man. And it's, just, it, this song is perfect, a perfect example of that. It's just a great, great, true opener. Yeah. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, this, uh, this song was featured on Korn's Groovy Pirate Ghost Mystery on South Park. <laughs> yeah. So they were featured on a whole episode. Um, I think also this is the, the song that has the music video that was directed by. Um, Oh, uh, Fred Durst. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Which is another song. They were friends at the time. Yeah. Um, this has like, like you mentioned, very eerie instrumentation that kind of gives me the creeps, which kind of goes hand in hand with the lyrical content. Yeah. Um, the lyrics are kind of talking about being suicidal after being abused, which, um, is, pretty heavy <laughs> yeah it's heavy as fuck dude um but the song feels like it's like bubbling with tension mm-hmm. and i feel like the only time that that tension was relieved was when he yells fuck um yeah. fuck in the bridge and it felt like the tension just kept building after that it was like just a little bit of relief from the tension and then it just keeps building until the song swells up and just ends yeah and i thought that was a really cool way to start an album because Holy shit! Like now, I gotta listen. Uh, yeah, like, right. I, I'm on the edge of my seat now. Uh, yeah, I really like falling away from me, and it, it's a perfect introduction to what corn sounds like because nobody ever, nobody has ever sounded like corn ever. I talk about it a little bit in my closing, but if you've never heard corn, you'll never hear anything like corn ever again. I think this album perfectly kind of condenses what they sound like, and that's why I picked it. Um, so, and then you know, what a great way to get, get introduced to it with falling away from me. Mm-hmm. The next one is trash. Uh, the whispered verses are creepy as fuck. Yes, sir. Uh, the lyrics are pretty fucking dark too. Talking about staying with a woman while he uh, continually cheats on her and asks what's wrong with her. It's yeah. Like, Why are you staying with me? You know I'm doing this. Why are you allowing this? And uh, the instrumentation before the last bridge, chef's kisses. Yes. Dude. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'll get into it later because I have. I remember specifically writing about a specific, like a particular song, but 
there's so a lot of these songs are structured the same way and i once i know it's like a pavlovian response mm-hmm. like ooh the second chorus is done my mouth's like watering for yeah, you get this that. funky instrumentation that's coming <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> um but that it's a fucking fat baseline during oh, the chorus yeah. dude oh, yeah. fat it's oh. meaty i had it on my surround sound um, before you came over and i was like whew. I'm going to have to take the sweatshirt <laughs> off. A little bit <laughs> Uh I get why Kev has such a hard on for Fieldy. Oh, yeah. Fieldy's awesome, dude. He's, he's playing, like, again, there's other p- people that play slap bass, um, you know, way better than he does, but he does it. In t- again, every musician in this band is perfect for corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not the best in their field, but they are world class at what they do, and Oh, Fieldy's so fucking good, man. He's so good. He looks <laughs> he looks cool. Like he he plays his bass real low. He fucking he plays slap bass, which is cool to me. And you know, I don't know. He just again, he's like a second drummer essentially with his bass. So it's just he's a treat to listen to. Surely. Surely. Uh, are, are you were you finished? Yes. All right, cool. So um yeah, it's just I it uh, my first note is that this kind of retains that kind of same darkness from that last one. It's it's a little it's not as heavy. I mean, it's basically Jonathan Davis fucking girls all across the country. And again, like you said, wondering what's wrong with this girl that's at home waiting for him. And that's really fucked up. Like, that's a fucked up thing. But he really sells, like, his part, his side of the story with the way he sings. Like, he he pleads in this chorus. Like, he he is, like, pleading to God. (laughs) Yeah. In, in In the way he sings this, man. And it's it's really, really fucking cool. You know, um, it, it's it's almost like he's screaming in the mirror at himself almost instead of like yelling at this girl at home. He's like, I guess, especially when he's like, these goddamn girls are so god, like get me so exhilarated or whatever he says. Uh, it's fucking gross. By the way, that whole first verse is yes. very disgusting. Very. <laughs> I fill them up. I can't get enough. It's just. <laughs> And um, but yeah, I think it's on purpose because I think he's disgusted with himself, and I really do. I see Jonathan Davis looking in a mirror and screaming this song to himself, and the the instrumentals are just like the background noise in his head. And that's I really think when you look at Corn's music through the lens of what's going on in the Jonathan Davis's head, it makes a whole lot more sense. Like those kind of like in between ethereal moments with the guitars and their song structure, it's like this is where he's gathering his thoughts, and then the chorus is like, oh. It's like the realization of everything coming together, and I think that's a really cool way to look at it. And uh, but yeah, no, again, another perfect example of perfect synchronization: the guitars, the drums, the bass punch you in the face before the chorus, um, before they disperse again, gathering energy for the next haymaker. And that, that's exactly what Corn does with all their songs. It's just like they throw one big punch and then they back off, and they just kind of like wave, wave around. And then they just smack you again with another one in their choruses and like pre post choruses. Yeah. I mean, there's a slight hit of turntable here, but I kind of hate it. (laughs) They don't need it. It's Mm -hmm. like the only time you hear it in this, this album. And really, I can't think of too many examples throughout their entire discography where you hear a lot of turntables a little bit on father leader, but it makes more sense that that's more of like a hip hop driven album than this one is. This is more straight like rock and metal uh, from the most part. So yeah, another great track. There's not really a whole lot of tracks on this album I don't like. I was listening through it the other day, and I texted you. I was like, man, this album's so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds good. It's Again, it's production value that really kills this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know if Terry Date did the production on this album. Um, I don't know. They, they work with so many really, really just legendary producers. Um, the, 
I forget who the name they threw out there, but the the thing I was reading up on was he specifically picked someone that was like a no nonsense guy because yeah. he didn't want them to be able to like have drink uh, like drugs or alcohol in inside the studio. Yeah, which is, I mean it, it worked. I mean this is a very very cohesive album. Mm-hmm. So kudos to whoever that that producer was because he made an, an awesome fucking album. So moving on to for you. Uh, it's just a quick interlude, um, but it has a really chill, like ethereal quality to it. I, l- I love the way the vocals are done in this. It's like I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion you're not going to like it, though. That's why I, I wrote that? that down. I don't know. I just there's something I was listening to. I was like, I really like this, but I think Dylan's going to hate it for some reason. It just because it's almost spoken word. I don't know. It just feels like something you <laughs> you wouldn't like. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> no, you're um, right. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. Um, been, what was this episode nineteen? Yeah, twenty. We're getting close to knowing each other's <laughs> yeah. style pretty well. I was like, I love it, but I know I, I just I had this feeling. I was like, Dylan's not going to like this, and it's going to make me mad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's John telling his fans that he loves them, but he also hates them at the same time. He's like, I'm doing this for you, but it's like, I, how much torture do I have to put myself through so, so I can write these songs so you can enjoy them? I fucking love you guys. Could you give me a life? But I have to really live through these tortures again to write. And uh, it's it's cool, man. It's 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 almost like you're drifting along this like tantric nirvana journey with it's I, I could picture jonathan davis like sitting indian style meditating and we just kind of transport into his brain he's floating in like pink and blue clouds and this is what he's thinking about he's like laying on his back and it's like man fucking i love my fans but god damn it i gotta continue remembering all this shit just to make them happy and i don't know it's 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 interesting but let's let's hear you shit all over it well no, i'm not gonna <laughs> shit on it um it kind of reminds me, I, I went to a concert when I was like 17 or 18, and it was a, an artist that one of my, one of the guys that showed me a bunch of albums when I was younger, um, he was at the show as well, and I was like, what do you think about his new album? He's like, I liked it more when he's kind of tortured. And I was like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get what you're saying, but also like, if he's in a better place and he's writing happier music... Yeah, I mean, it's not our job to say someone should be tortured. I I think that's okay, though. I mean, you can like what you like. I mean, I get it. I like Jonathan Davis. I like when he writes shit that makes him sad. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not to say I wouldn't like him about writing about you know other shit. But Mm -hmm. that's just what he's done. I think he uses it as an outlet too. So yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, this is a a thank you song to the fans, and the distorted vocals are a little bit annoying, but it's not long enough for me to like really harp on it yeah thank god their interludes are like they think this is the longest one at like a minute 30 so Mm -hmm. it's yeah uh i can appreciate a fan appreciation yeah yeah so that's really all i had to say about it i wasn't gonna like beat down on things that i didn't like because you know like you said it's a minute and a half you (laughs) know right it's not a seven minute song for no reason yeah i think i think it's perfectly placed i think all the interludes are in good places here Mm -hmm. i think the album construction is really really well done i think that's part of the reason i like it so much again production value it's everything Mm -hmm. you can take a shitty album produce it well and it's going to sound awesome yeah especially since you and i like talking about how we would organize the album (laughs) yeah right um because we're just practicing being sound engineers the next song is number five, Beg For Me. Yep. Fuck, now we're talking. Yeah, tell me what you think about this intro, buddy. The intro was funky. <laughs> it starts with like almost like marching band yes, drums. Yes, it's absolutely 100% just a snare march. Uh, fucking awesome. I felt like I was watching Drumline again for a second. Um, and 
just the whole intro with the whole band coming in afterwards is just I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in here because this intro, dude, the the snare march, it's that classic like you know exactly what it sounds like when a marching band is marching, that's what they play. Mm-hmm. And then to they again, this is one of the reasons I love Dave Silveria is he takes it, it it happens in like a half second but he takes that same riff and he just slows it down by like, like almost half and it goes and then the band comes in it's fucking so good so dude good. oh it's so <laughs> powerful man you know it's good when me and kevin are both doing the one does simply not yeah. <laughs> with our <laughs> yeah, hands yeah. one does not simply um yeah sick this but the song has like a weird tempo to it mm-hmm. it changes multiple times and it's hard to get like momentum, um, at least to me. It feels like you could mosh to the choruses, but the verses serve as like a cathartic introspection, which seem like they could be two different songs almost to me. Um, you know, he's talking about wanting to die, but playing music keeps him from going insane. Yeah. But the chorus goes so freaking hard yeah. that, you know, I just, I love it. Yeah, it's worth it's worth going down with the verses to get to that chorus. Yeah, I agree largely. I, I, I get. This, I wrote this as when I listen to this album, I usually skip this song after the intro. I do like it. Um, it's just, I really just love that intro so much. It's hard for me to like the rest of the song that is kind of disjointed. It's just, it's not as good as the rest of the songs. It doesn't. That's not to say it's a bad song. But I know what's I know what the end of this album is, and it's one of my favorite endings to any album ever. Like that five song run, that this, I think me having listened to this album so much makes me not like this song as much. And that's not fair to this song because it is good. But I just want to get to the the back half of the album, and I was like, oh fuck, let's get there. Give me somebody, someone. Please. How often do you say that about albums too? Where like, the, the the back like the last five songs are the best? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it really, I mean, it, I think it does take away from songs like this that are a little bit weaker. But there are some really good, like the next song's great. Um, but songs like Beg For Me kind of get lost in the sauce when you're expecting what, in my opinion, is the best five-row song run in new metal ever. So, yeah, I don't have much to say other than that fucking intro is so, it's it's so perfectly corn because they do that a lot. Like where they slow it down, they give you like a, like a, like a symbol hit. Like, right, like it's a, like a tom and a cymbal hit, like a tom on the downbeat and a cymbal on the up. And it's like, and it drops you right back down into the rest of the band. And it's so well done because it just punctuates that little pocket of silence so well. And that's something they do really well too. They fill out every single corner of their sound and there's no wasted energy. Mm-hmm. Like again, with Slipknot last week, there's a lot of wasted energy there. It sounds awesome. But here everything is so perfectly metered out. And it's, it's almost like looking at like beautiful food. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you look at a presentation of food that's just beautifully presented by like a Michelin star chef. Um, and then Slipknot is like a plate of like a gross plate of like soul food. You know what I mean? It's not, there's no like rhyme or reason to it, but both are delicious, mm-hmm. but they just, one looks a little bit nicer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, I don't have a whole lot to say about beg for me other than, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Other than that fuck kick ass fucking intro. I love it so <laughs> fucking much, dude. Um, yeah, going straight into Make Me Bad. Uh, I think this was the first single on the album. I could be wrong about that. Okay. I think it is. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, I just know I've heard the song a trillion times in my life. Uh, I fucking love it, man. It, the, the, this is the grooviest I think this this album gets, and I fucking love it. And it's just, it, it, we've talked about it before, but when you have a rhythm 
section that is so forward in a band like Horn. Mm-hmm. Really, the lead, the two lead guitarists take a back seat for most of, most of these songs, and it's you're really focusing on that rhythm section. You're gonna get a lot of really fucking fat grooves, and I, I that's the only way to describe it. And you know, I wrote Fieldy goes the fuck off with Dave and just makes this an undeniable groove that's hard as hell. Um, it's that classic Silveria sound, um, and this is what I was this is what I was just talking about, where it's a cymbal on the upbeat and straight, and he slams fucking down. I think it's a snare. I don't I don't know the difference. It's hard for me to tell the difference between a snare and a tom when I'm listening to it. I, I think it's a snare. Um, and then straight into the chorus, you know, it takes a half a second, but it's so, so, so effective. It's just, it, cause he, I don't know. It's just the way he, he manipulates the drums. There's just something like, again, he punctuates that perfect pocket of silence. There's a lot of peas in there. Good thing we have a good pop filter. <laughs> <laughs> that would, uh, definitely trigger our feedback protection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a strong about struggling with addiction on tour, um, which I think explains John's tortured vocals here. Um, it's just a great fucking track, man. And it, it's just, it's it because, because it has all of those classic corn tricks. It's got the, you know, the, the fucking killer, uh, choruses. And then the, the really ethereal kind of very dr- groovy verses. And I, I just love it. Yeah. The chorus bangs, dude. Yeah. That's like the, I wrote it in all caps, the chorus bangs. If I got nothing else, to say about this is, song. This is one of my favorite songs to sing in the car because like, you know, <laughs> you can, you can kind of like make fun of Jonathan Davis's voice. Make me bad. And, <laughs> and it's just, but it's really fun to sing. It's just, oh man, it's so fucking good. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a number one album is yeah. every single one of these songs. You can go down the beaten path. It go about down the beaten cleft with it. Yeah. Right. Jing, drink. <laughs> he um, did it. He said the thing. <laughs> um, but really, this the choruses are where they shine, mm-hmm. um, and it's got that creepy, eerie sound uh, that they had in the first couple songs. And this is the song specifically that made me think that instrumentation really picks up every song right before the last chorus. Yep. It almost feels like when they're like constructing the songs, they're like. Hey, has anybody got anything else they want to add? And they're like, hey, what if we just go the fuck off for like 15 seconds before the last chorus? And they're like, okay, right. we'll give it a shot. Same. And then they just do it on every song. Yeah. And it doesn't get stale because they do something different every time. Yes, but I, I think that's, again, it's formulaic, but it doesn't sound, none of these songs sound the same. Even if you know what's coming, none of them sound the same. I think that's, there's a, there's a beautiful genius in that. Yeah. Um, like you said, it kind of talks about sobriety and the demons that come with the thoughts of relapse or I don't know if he actually did relapse or what, but yeah, the lyrical content is very self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also pretty relatable when most of the stuff on the radio at that time was like, woe is me or, you know, how great am I? So yeah, right. to have a number one album that talks about this kind of stuff, it's pretty heavy and pretty cool. Yeah. Number seven, it's gonna go away, which is an interlude. Um, the drums are like a hip hop bongo drum. <laughs> I, riddle me that. Uh, it sounds like something like if I close my eyes and I just woke up out of a dead sleep because I'm a little drunk. Yep. I'm like hip hop bongo drums. <laughs> we'll get them on. <laughs> I don't know how it's gonna happen. We're gonna make it happen. Let's <laughs> go. 
But it was a cool this song this interlude's got a cool dichotomy of clean and distorted like shouting vocals, which yeah. almost feels like an angel and devil on your shoulder. And the clean vocals sound like Jonathan Davis rationalizing things and the other half of himself is is distorted and shouting, We all crumble, I'm so scared, I can't think of going on. Mm-hmm. So easily my favorite interlude i thought it was really really it's interesting because it's probably an interlude that is far less enjoyable this time around really (laughs) it's not my least favorite it's you know it's there's the next one's fucking having something a little bit more than for you offered i think was just going to be more enjoyable yeah sure um and it's funny because i i wrote exactly down this feels like a drunken stupor this whole entire thing it's um it, it, the lyrical content, I think, is addressing what Jonathan Davis saw as the band breaking up, and so they were arguing and fighting because they were fighting a lot at this time, and uh, it, it's almost like a fear of failure, almost for Jonathan. Like he feels like he's failing the band, and I think that's covered a whole lot in the next song, which I'll just hop right into, which is "Wake Up." Um, I love slash hate this song. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I, I it's. It's heavy as hell, man, but it, it, it's almost childish in ways. Uh, it's, I don't know. It, there's something about it that has like a childish, almost like, childish is not right. It's not the right word for it. It's just, it's not super mature, I guess is the way I'm trying to put it. Uh, it's about the band slowly splitting up and how he hates just having to watch it happen. Um, it sounds really cool, um, but it it's also just kind of strikes me as like, kind of petulant almost um but i do love the no more fighting where he just fucking just scream it's like he's like i can see jonathan davis sitting in a corner and just screaming that at the band as they're like fight start to fight again and he, again it's he's so even when i don't like it and i find it kind of corny mm. hey <laughs> um He's so fucking sincere. Like if anybody, the the one thing you can say about Jonathan Davis is that he really truly believes every single word that he says in his songs. And I think that sincerity takes something that sounds kind of corny to me and makes it, makes it cooler. Like like I said, I, 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 I I hate love this song. You know what I mean? Cause it is really cool to listen to, but I don't know. There's just something there that's not quite as good as the rest of the album. Yeah, uh, it's just the wake the fuck up. That's the first thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after the last interlude kind of lulled us into complacency, this song comes back, and I think it's to me it was anthemic. Maybe it's because I hadn't heard the song before. Yeah, I've heard this song a trillion times. So to me, this was like a breath of fresh air, and um, I like I liked the sentiment of him trying to like write a whole song about a wake-up call yeah. to people that are going to be playing the instruments in said song. That's pretty cool. Like It's yeah, a reminder when you play it every day. Yeah, there's a part where it's like, let's just go out on stage and play our shit. I think is obviously I'm paraphrasing. That's not the actual lyrics, but that's what he's talking about. He's like, we got to go on stage, guys. Like, let's all get along. Like, stop fucking fighting. We're a band. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking, honestly, Like, because he, he obviously wants the band to stay together. They've been friends forever, and... Watching his friends fight sucks, you know? Yeah. It sucks watching this the band. Is, what, out. album number four? Uh, th- three. Yeah, there was the self-titled, then there was Fall of the Leader, and then Issues. Okay. I think so. I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's three. Yeah, and that's that's about the stretch that most bands make it. So Yeah. This was it, about ten years in at this point from the first album release. And, you know, Fall of the Leader was 
a year before, and that's a big yeah. su- success. So going into a new album, I'm sure there's a lot of conversations where you feel we should go, and there's pressure from the label, and you know there's just a lot of things that you can't control once you get that famous. So yeah, it's a cool song. It is. And then uh, going into number nine, am I going crazy? Another interlude. Let me let me take this because I feel like you've gotten three interludes now. <laughs> oh, I don't care. Okay, are you sure? Yeah. All right. I don't have a lot to say about Neither the do next I. one. <laughs> oh, you mean you don't have a lot to say about Hey Daddy? No. Oh, okay. Uh, am I going crazy? I read online that the interlude is playing frontward and backward simultaneously, and mm-hmm. it plays into someone that is manic and really feeling it like coming on. Yeah. I mean, that's immediately obvious. It's like, the, it's like the, the track sounds like it's being played in reverse, which it is. And uh, it's again, it's a peek into John's fragile psyche as he wanders through his own madness, whether it be self-inflicted or through past traumas or watching the band break up. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool. I, I don't really necessarily love it, but it's it's a cool recording technique to do it. Uh, again, it kind of fits the the theme of this like freak like this is a band this is an album that is like made for freaks and yeah. i think that's exactly what he's this, no longer a freak on a leash that's right he's on un- he's, he's a unleashed freak. he's a freak unleashed oh <laughs> instead of am i going crazy you should have called it freak unleashed interlude uh, there you go boom should have taken from the misfits dude <laughs> good call listen to seven year old me i'll go plant it in my <laughs> previous mind there you go uh so yeah um hey you, are you yeah you're starting with hey daddy am i yes Hey, daddy. Hey, daddy. Uh, this song will give me nightmares for sure. It's <laughs> fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, the weird falsetto voice singing. Is that is that Jonathan Taylor? That was Jonathan Taylor. What, what did I? Jonathan Davis, you mean? Jonathan Davis. I wrote <laughs> JT like an idiot. It's just Justin Timberlake singing. Um, is this Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Yeah. Is this Teenage John- heartthrob? <laughs> You remember the swoop tail? This is 99. I got it right. Oh, man. Get the sky beer. Is that him singing that falsetto? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's great. Unrecognizable. I was like, it doesn't say there's a feature on this song, but also it, there's no way that's him. It's him. To carry a tune. And he obviously had to work pretty hard for that, for that, that high of a range. Yeah. He, I mean, he's great, man. Like, I think, I don't know. I'll let you talk. I, have, I can fucking gush about Jonathan Davis all day. It, um, yeah, this whole, the song is like a cry for help to Sky Daddy, which yeah. is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Uh, it talks about <laughs> abuse of alcohol and drugs. Yeah. So <laughs> that's all you got. I really was excited to call Jesus Sky Daddy. So <laughs> that's the whole reason I was so excited to do this. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of that online <laughs> where he's like making a plea to God. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's super religious. It could just be, um, any father figure. Yeah, when you're out of options, you you resort to going to anyone. Yeah, and it kind of felt like he was talking to God. Yeah. Could be wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure. But I did, I did see a lot of that online. I just, I did, for me, for what I know, it just didn't fit. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's my own personal bias coming in there. I don't. Who knows? Uh, I should know, but I don't. Uh, but yeah, this is um, this is where the album really starts to take a turn for me. And then this is like the, that end that stretch of the album that I really start to be like, all right, let's fucking go. I know it's coming. And Hey daddy really is a good kind of like, it's like that. It's like a really creepy glass of water before you dig into that fucking juicy ass steak. That's about to be plopped out in front of you. Uh, it's his vocals are so haunting. They're almost demonic. 
Cause he like growls and he whispers and it's, it's, he almost hisses the lyrics at you. Like, like it threw a demon's tongue. That's the only reason I thought it was, he was talking to Jesus because it sounded so like, (laughs) (laughs) I can't even, I can't even come close to it. Who would try? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But he, 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 again, I've talked about it before. He's so like it, 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 if it wasn't coming from a place of real pain, it would sound really corny, yeah. but it doesn't here because I know this is how he feels. And this is like, he's just, it's an absolute genius song construction and lyrical delivery. Uh, you know, a lot of this shit is hard to hear, um, and read as far as like lyrical content. Um, but that it, it's, it's interesting to kind of take this mental journey with Jonathan Davis and you know, that the fact that he allowed us in to do it, and is that vulnerable with his fans and he feels comfortable with it? You know, it's cool. And, you know, and the last thing I wrote is just drugs are fucked up, man. Drugs are fucked up. Don't yeah. do them. <laughs> yeah. A tale as old as time. There's yep. going to be rap and or rap, rock and metal pretty much all telling us drugs are bad. Okay. But drugs, that's just, drugs are bad, okay? that's pretty much a lesson you have to learn on your own because yeah, it's not a lesson anyone wants to hear from anyone else. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. We've all dabbled here and there. I know I've dabbled. I don't know about you, Dill, but I'm sure you have. And uh, you know, I made some mistakes, and now you know I lived through it. Now, yeah. I, now I just drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, it's better. It is. <laughs> it's different. No, but you're right. I think it's it's something you basically have to. This is one of the times where it's not preachy, but it's like. Look at what it's done to me. Yeah. I just don't want that for anyone else. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that. I think it's just I'm fucking this shit hurts. <laughs> it's, like I'm just laying my laying myself bare here and watch, watch me plead to God here. You know, it's a man that's just on the floor, like reaching to the sky, reaching to the sky, daddy. As, as sky, you so daddy. eloquently put. <laughs> <laughs> that's because TikTok is like, yeah, Jesus, you mean sky daddy? And like, I, it's infectious. Right. <laughs> Can't call him anything else now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so somebody, someone, let's fucking go. Oh, that's why you gave me hey, daddy. <laughs> you tricked no, me I didn't trick you. Yeah, I tried to get you to, to just switch me on the interlude. You said, no, nah, it's fine. I'll do the interludes. I don't mind. Okay, I'll take somebody, someone. <laughs> uh, you tricky, tricky boy. What an intro, dude. What a fucking intro. That opening guitar makes my hair stand on end because I know what's coming. It's drop D tuned seven string, massive sternum crushing noise. That's what's coming. And it's just, it's that little, that little tiny riff. It doesn't, it doesn't, if you don't know what's coming, it's like, Oh, this is kind of be a nice little music box song. And then it's boom, boom, boom. It just, uh, it's just like fucking just a massive, like one ton acne weight dropped on your chest, dude. Those drums almost broke my eardrums. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was in my car. I like felt like I was being attacked. They really came for the throat on that. Yeah, it's the it's a it's the whiplash of it is so addicting. Like it, it's it's a true true neck breaker. It it feels like it has a bounce to it. I think yeah. you said that earlier about the bass, but mm-hmm. like, it feels like you're like, you know, yeah. it's just like you're on it. You're on it with them. Yeah, man. It's it, like yeah, you could feel every little it, it, again the way they construct their songs, man. It's just so it's beautiful. It, it, it really is. I mean, as cringy as a lot of it sounds nowadays, and it hasn't aged super super well. You have to respect the way they work as a unit. And you know, I've already touched on it before. You know, it, each individual part doesn't sound great on its. I mean, 
I think the drums and the bass would sound awesome on their own, but the guitar parts and, you know, an isolated Jonathan Davis vocal might not sound as good, but when you smash all this shit together, man, holy fuck, does it work? It works so well. And somebody, someone, again, it's, uh, you know, John just really just needing anyone to love him. Like this poor fucking kid, man, this poor guy, you know, I just wrote, he really is the saddest boy, you know, (laughs) fuck all these emo kids. Like Jonathan Davis has you beat by a fucking mile. He's just so sad, but you know, it really, he, he let his pain make some really fucking killer songs and somebody, someone just kicks you right. The fucking balls, man. and makes you cry right with him. He makes you want somebody, someone, someone go hug this guy. Yeah. This could easily be taken as like a fuckboy song. Like, yeah, for sure. All I need is to be loved just for me. I think is one of the lyrics. Um, but it comes off way more earnest. And I think mm-hmm. you you said like he believes in what he's saying so much that even things that could be taken out of context seem very corny. When it's sincere, then you get a pass, I feel like. Mm-hmm. At least to you and me. Like there's certain times we were very harsh on Youngblood because it didn't seem very sincere. That's true. And I don't think it was any more or less corny than all I need to be loved is just, I need to be loved just for me. Like, yeah, sure. But like, this is way more earnest than anything that we heard. From it's him. all about the package. It's delivered it. You know what yeah. I mean? You, I know much John Davis, like I've said it before, I mean, just look, look up his story, man. It's so fucking heartbreaking what this guy's been through. And he, he, he's able to deliver it in a way that makes you believe and it makes you feel his pain. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, you're right. You know, on paper, it's not any more or less cheesy than Youngblood stuff. But it's again, it's that package it's wrapped in. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, you get a toy car if it's you know, somebody just hands it to you. But if it's wrapped in like this really, you know, magnificent packaging, you're probably going to think that's a much better car. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's a that's a shitty analogy, but it's the thing, best I, I was, could. I was following you there, though. <laughs> yeah, it's the best I could I come can up with. I picture a toy car right now because I was seven when this album came out. Well, hold on. What kind of car did you picture when I said that? Like a little, little hot rod convertible red car. <laughs> A hot, picture, hot wheel. I was picturing like the classic, like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer wooden, like 1950s, like Corvette indie style car, like blue with red wooden. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I had the red Corvette from when I was a little kid that I kept trying to sneak into the cart at Kmart. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that, it, there's a good analogy. It's like. You can go to the you know the flea market, pick out that same car that looks exactly the same, or you can get it in that fucking Hot Wheels packaging. It's going to be so much cooler because it's like this is yours, whereas this is somebody else's. And yeah. you know, Jonathan makes Jonathan Davis makes his pain yours, and I think that's really cool. I'm glad we got that analogy figured out. Yeah, yeah it's still not very good, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll workshop it. No, we won't. And we won't. <laughs> uh, the tempo change before the bridge makes me wish the whole fucking album sounded like that. Yeah, sure. Oh, man. But that's just my tempo. You know, I'm a pop punk kid that, like, yep. when it gets that tempo, then I'm like, okay, okay. Um, it has a huge breakdown for the outro. Oh the yes, I didn't. I can't believe I didn't talk about the fucking breakdown, dude. dude. Yeah, oh, God, it's so good, so good. And the drums be banging. Yes, dude, that's wow. He plays with fucking hammers, dude. I, I really think that, and it's just it's crazy. And kind of like with Slipknot, where it felt like people like banging on. Uh, with, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had multiple percussionists. The extra percussionists, yeah. Like, um, 
Next is No Way. You, were you done with somebody somewhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. for sure. Uh, number 12, No Way. Shoo! <laughs> that bass is funky. Shoo-wee! Shoo! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the instrumentation on this song is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the c- guitars and the drums for the chorus really feel like corn at their best. Like, in my, uh, close my eyes and in my mind, this is what I picture corn. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrical content is something we've already come across. Drugs make me feel good when I take them, but bad when I'm coming down from mm-hmm. them. Um, so nothing too new, but also it still hits. This song is probably the better of, like... I didn't care for Hey Daddy, so this is if I had to get rid of like drugs make me feel bad songs, <laughs> sure. like I would get rid of Hey Daddy and I would keep this one because it fucks. I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I have much the same shit to say about it. I don't have a whole lot to say about it because we know the formula at this point, right? Um, but it's 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 so gooey with all these little fucking like metal goodness. This is when I this is when I wrote about they really fill up every single corner of their musical sound. There's no wasted space here. Um, and he's, you know, fieldy really fucking shines here. And, uh, you know, Dave, this is where I said, Dave sounds like he's playing with fucking eight hands here. He's, he's all around his fucking 360 drum kit. And I don't know how he does it, but it, there's just so many little fucking like, like triple cymbal hits or whatever. There's just so much cool musicianship here. And I think that's what stands out to me in this song is it's, it's almost more like they're showing off their musicianship in this song. Whereas, you know, there are other songs that I like better on this album for sure. Uh, but again, it's just so, it's so, so gooey with metal goodness and it's just, I love it for that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't have a whole lot to say about it because again, I know what's next. It's my favorite song on the fucking album, which is let's get this party started. And I said, let's, let's, let's get this party started. You know, (laughs) uh, this has been my favorite song on the album since the first time I heard this song. I've, I, the first time I heard it, I had a very, almost like a headcanon moment for it. Um, again, it's very similar in structure to somebody, someone, the way it kind of crashes you up and down. Um, but this one almost like through the entire chorus or sorry, verses, it almost kind of, you feel it gets like, it's like going again, going up on a roller coaster, but this one takes you all the way into space and then slams you right the fuck down into the pits of hell for this chorus, dude. Holy shit. The first time I heard, let's get this party started. It's like, what the fuck, dude? I, did, I thought this was a, I, I thought this was an easy listener. What's happening? I was just grooving to some bass, and now we're in fucking hell. Like, I guess we're having a party in hell. It's just, it's so, so, so good, dude. I wrote, it's like getting power bombed from space straight to the core of the earth, and then ascending to do it all again through every verse it's so it's so fucking good i really can't accurately display how much i love this song in words you just have to listen to it and it's it just oh man it's it's such a again it's that addicting whiplash you get because when you think about it that dramatic of a change in tone shouldn't be enjoyable but it's like the same way getting punched in the face for the first time in a boxing match might be enjoyable. That's what this is like. It's like, oh, shit, that's not as bad as I thought. And I actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm so addicted to the way this song. I love this is one of the songs I love playing for people for the first time and watching them react to it. It's kind of like Ginger Pisces. Um, the main name of the band is Ginger. The name of the song is Pisces. And I realized that may have been confusing when I the way Ginger I said Pisces. it. It's Ginger Pisces. Um 
it's just it's one of those bands you would love to watch people or one of those songs you love watching people react to because of that it's you know getting power bombed from space what a bold fucking move to put the best song at track 13 <laughs> yeah dude it's crazy <laughs> it's fucking nuts dude and that's not even that's not even disparaging the rest of the album because the rest of the album is really fucking good but there is this song with it's funny you say that because Whoa, where the fuck did this come from? This is not one of these is unlike the others. Is this and the first time you've listened to this album all the way through? Yes. So good for you, dude. I wish yeah. I could have had the same experience again. Uh, I love the structure, the instrumentation where I didn't like this. This goes back to, you know, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite, but like where it slows down in that chorus, that chorus is like wind tunnel esque, like, Oh, yeah. like I, <laughs> knocks me back the first time i heard it mm-hmm. um the chorus makes me want to run my head through a fucking wall like if this guy was my high school football coach and he talked like that i'd be like okay coach whatever you say yeah let's go Here let's go kill people concussion <laughs> <laughs> if this were 2010 this chorus would have been my ringtone yeah, oh yeah for like my entire life yeah but i'm too lazy to do it now well also you judge pretty hard if you have an actual ringtone nowadays yeah <laughs> like what was i I don't know. I had, so I, this probably was my ringtone at one point. I probably charged, sneakily charged. I thought I was being sneaky and charged my parents a dollar ninety nine to download this from the VZW store. It, it would be <laughs> so. Like, what the fuck are you downloading this shit for? And like that split second where your phone vibrates before it starts ringing, that would just be so <laughs> jarring for everyone around you. I would love it. Um, yeah, I guess that was a mini head cannon because this song is whoa. Yeah. Made new metal march worth it. Yeah, it'll knock you right out the your fucking seat. I, every, if you don't listen to one song we we listen to this month, listen to this one. Yeah, because it's his the way he screams in this song is so oh, yeah. Like where was that at on every other song? Not you can't do it for a whole album, but yeah. Whoa, this it's just different. It's crazy, and it's, it's not even like that much that it's. Let's get this party started. <laughs> it's like, like you don't <laughs> expect a song named that to be fucking. <laughs> Like taking you down a lava raft, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm melting! What the fuck? <laughs> it's crazy, dude. I just wanted to go to a party, man. <laughs> yeah. What happened? You told me this would be fun. <laughs> uh, so track fourteen, "Wish You Could Be Me." <sighs> Goddamn, these interludes get pretty dark, Kev. Yeah. Well, here's what you want to hear. What I wrote for this? Yes. Another interlude. <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't even be bothered to take notes for this, dude. Next one's counting. Is it me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, counting is probably the most straightforward track musically on the album. Um, it's honestly refreshing to hear heavy guitars through the entire track. Like it's it's really fucking. It's like oh shit, this is a metal album. It's not just a weird corn album. Like to me, corn is almost like a music genre in and of themselves. So to hear them do something more straightforward like this, finally, you know, on track, what is this, 15 at this point? Um, it's just a kick-ass metal song. It's it's not good, but it's not, it's good, but it's not great. Um, it's, it's honestly a really interesting song, like lyrically. That's my favorite part of this song is what he talks about in the lyrics where it's kind of what we're, we've already talked about and touched on where he's putting out, he's putting himself out there and he's seeing other people sitting back, just counting as he like lays himself bare. It's like, fuck you guys. Like I I'm doing this because it's like therapeutic to me and you're profiting off of it. Like that's, I mean, fuck the, fuck the industry, dude. That's, that's really what this song is about. And 
I don't know. I, th- I feel like Jonathan Davis has a love-hate relationship with it because it gives him that outlet, but he hates – I think he hates seeing other people profit from his very personal pain that he's been through. And, you know, count- it, it, again, it's a really cool song. I love the the main, like, mo- musical motif here that – it's just really fucking cool. Um, yeah, yeah. It's funny we both wrote notes for each other on this on this uh, album because I wrote, I bet Kev is going to love the chug. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, the song structure on the second half of the album seems to be more enjoyable for me. Yeah, where this the verses aren't as slowed down in this song, and they feel like traditional corn to me. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, that's basically what you said. And I said, keep the momentum rocking, baby. Then the bridge hits, and I do the straight face Jim Halpert staring at the camera look like. Yeah, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for the, but for the last chorus, I'm head banging like Dwight in his car, getting ready for uh, his yearly review. <laughs> so there's a little <laughs> office head cannon. There for you go. Um, yeah, it's a fun song. Track 15, I'm still enjoying. Yeah, it, so. exactly. It's more than we can say for most. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, there's not a song like obviously there's some interludes and stuff. And I'd said I'm, I usually skip one song, but I, again, I could listen to it and be just as happy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you know, it, it's really rare that you have that many tracks, and there's maybe one legitimately skippable song. And the ones that are legitimately skippable are a minute long. So it's yeah. like, yeah, what's, what's the fucking point? Just listen to it and get the tone that they're trying to set for it. So, um, next one's dirty. Yeah, Last track, sure number sixteen. Is. Uh, slow verses and big chorus. Tell me where you've heard that before. Yeah, right. Um, the verses start harmonizing in this um, in the second verse and make it more enjoyable than most of the of the verses that I've heard so far on the album. But the choruses slap like they have been. I just want to laugh again as a really sad and poignant last lyric for the album. And <laughs> and this is where I get angry. So we could talk. We'll talk yeah. about the last four minutes of the song yeah. here in a minute. Yeah. And I'll let you go first. Sure. I, again, I don't have a whole lot to say about this song. I really don't like it uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I think tonally it couldn't be anything but the last song on the album, but I really don't like this song. It's kind of plotting. It, do, it doesn't add much to the album for me. I almost feel like it could have been cut. Like counting would have been a really cool way to end this album. Oh yeah. Um, on a really cool poignant statement about the industry. And uh, I don't know. It just, I don't know. Again, I think it's again, polluted by what we're about to talk about here. Yeah. I think the last lyric is kind of like knowing that's the last lyric on the album. That yeah, kind of sticks up. Again. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of encapsulates the whole album as a whole, I think. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I think he talked about he wrote this was his entire experience on tour for the Family Values tour, which is a a tour that I thought was fucking awesome. I don't know if we talked about it on mic or not, but Family Values tour 98, there's a cool little concert video. I suggest everybody watch it. Yeah, we'll add it to the show notes as well. Yeah. We'll just keep putting YouTube videos until people watch them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, they, I was pretty grumpy when I listened to this from my notes listen, which I feel like generally I haven't been that mean. Yeah, I've, sure. I've, I enjoyed the album, but how they go and put four minutes of static to end the album, <laughs> they know how we are. Yeah. They know you and me. Yep. We ain't turning it off. Yep. I'm a lazy enough person to keep it going, even though I'm super fucking annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. And it's an immovable object meeting an unstoppable force <laughs> because... I was like, eventually it's going to end. Eventually there's going to be something at the very end where you're like, okay, well, at least I listened to four minutes of static. That way I could hear like them say something funny yeah. or some kind of like drum beat. Nope. This fucking song just ends. The, the whole album ends. God. That's where the album 
It's, it's one of the cruelest jokes ever played, and it, it makes me laugh. But I fucking hate it, dude. Just you're because it is. It's it's we're not exaggerating when it's form a four minute wall of unbroken static. It's white noise, and it's loud white noise. I think it's mixed to be very loud. <laughs> it's at least it feels louder than the song we were just listening to. Um, but yeah, I'm, Dylan and I have talked about being lazy listeners before and like how that usually rewards us with some really cool bonus content at the end of like these albums back in the day. Um, and again, I can't remember if we talked about it on mic or not, but the end of fall of the leader has some of my favorite bonus content of all time. And you have to wait almost 16 minutes for that shit. It's just silence. Um, so it's like, I think it, I think that's also a joke because like maybe you turn that out album before you go to sleep. And so you get the, the album ends, it plays for 16 minutes and all of a sudden it's fucking <laughs> music again. It's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and the TV's on, that's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it, but this is like the anti of that. It's like, we're not going to make it 16 minutes, but we're going to make it four minutes and then just not give them anything for it. it it's funny to me because I really do think it's intentional. Oh Yeah. A dickhead. They're dickheads. Yeah, that. dickheads. Uh, but it's funny. It's, it's it's a cool joke to play on their fans. And because at the time of that, you know, almost every single album that I can think of had a bonus track. That you had this to is the for. first one without a bonus track. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to get into closing thoughts? I do. <laughs> that was ominous. I don't know why I said. Find it out that after way. the break. <laughs> how Evan feels with his closing thoughts. Um, I said, I don't regret picking this album at all. I know I, I really had to defend myself against not picking um, Follow the Leader because, I, again, there's a lot of really, I, like we talked about it a little bit. Freak on a Leash, maybe in my top 20 favorite songs of all time. It's, it gets seared into your brain. I was singing so it in between one of our takes. Yeah. Yeah, you. Yeah, how, how did I do that? I haven't even, I haven't even listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just in my subconscious. Yeah, dude, it's a fucking great. It's so fucking good. And then got the life right after that. The the first like five songs on Fall Leader are so goddamn good. Children of the Corn with Ice Cube. Again, I really wanted to pick that album. I love the album art on that. I think it's some of the sickest album art of all time. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that, but I, I really do think that issues is a condensing of what makes follow leader amazing because follow leader is it's long it feels long it's there's there's goodness in there but it's it's a long album and it's if you're not a big corn fan it's going to be hard to listen to um after that first initial five songs and i wanted to be fair to you <laughs> um and not give you something that is is difficult to listen to and um but again it, this is a perfect like condensing and Again, they had a chance to sell out, and you know, there's a much higher like production to this. It feels like corn. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like crystallized. You know what I mean? It, 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 this is the purest form of corn, and I, I really think this album is great. It, it's it's a grown up almost. It's almost a grown up kind of corn. Whereas Fall Leader, where they're still kind of in their younger stages and they're doing some more experimental shit, and you know they're still very much hip hop inspired. This is much less hip hop inspired. Uh, it, you know, it, it feels commercialized in almost the same way that the Metallica Black album feels commercialized. You know, it's it's still a great fucking album, but there's there's a little bit. It's different from the shit that came before it, and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's just you know. I love it because it, it represents that time where a couple of grungy metal dudes could be pop culture icons. And I really, I really do miss that. I miss the days of new metal as, as shitty 
as and cringy as a lot of it was, there's some really cool moments in my life that I attribute to new metal and the, like the way it makes me feel. And like, it, it really is a huge part of the, the man I became, you know, and it, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it was, it's been a cool trip this month for me, especially. Yeah. So I, you know, thanks for coming along with me. I know you've, you have some new metal experience as well. We were kind of, we're a little bit, we're not too far apart in age, but we're far enough apart in age where like five years as a kid is a long time. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, this is very formative music for me, and you know, Corn is the most formative band I listened to at the time. Yeah, this this whole month has been fun because I feel like you grew up with it a lot more than I did. It was just like a facet of music that I had listened to. It wasn't as big in my life as it was to you. So for yeah. me, it kind of felt like I got to know you a little bit more. Like we were doing like a behind the scenes of <laughs> yeah, Kevin of. Carter at twelve, age twelve, because all of them were the same, <laughs> the year, same year, all four of them. So yeah, this this month was a lot of fun for that reason, and also these songs surprisingly don't age that bad. No, I really, I really do think you could release some of this shit today and it would get radio play. I really do. Uh, specifically, like um, "Make Me Bad." I mean, that's a really radio friendly song, and it, it still kicks fucking ass though. Like it, it, it just it, there's a lot of shit on here that doesn't age well, but the, a lot of it does too. So yeah, I totally agree, man. If we did like a compilation of all the the four albums we listened to this month, I think it would make a pretty fun new metal album. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if we could like pick pick and choose like the best songs from all four all four albums, yeah, I think that would make a pretty dope playlist. I think it would be very heavily weighted towards Slipknot and Core. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's maybe two or three I would pick from Significant Other, and maybe one from P.O.D. Maybe Southtown. <laughs> it would definitely Southtown would definitely be on there. Southtown's a fucking classic. Um. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think on accident we had a really good like curve <laughs> to the, the the sounds this month. We yeah. didn't do it on purpose. We didn't sit down and like, okay, we need to do corn last because they're the they're the best. Blah 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 blah. blah. I picked Slipknot as we were lo- talking <laughs> about what I was going to pick next. I was like scrambling, but I kind of just worked my way through it. Um, but yeah, new metal march. We did it. We did it. It's new. Uh, I, you know, I'm so fucking sick of taking notes on 16, 17 track albums. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to do something a little shorter. Yeah. Um, but it's been a blast. And I think it's an interesting challenge for us. And I really do like having a theme. I think it gives the show a direction that's cool. And it's not just, again, it's not something that we feel necessarily feel great about sometimes. Like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't love that significant other album anymore, but I, it, it needed to be talked about because you can't talk about new metal without talking about Limp Biscuits. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, fun times. You want to do song of the show or do you want to do what we're doing next month? Let's do song of the show. Um, I, I didn't write my down. I, I don't want to get the name wrong. So go ahead and while I look at it, this is white Nile by born of Osiris. Yes. Thank you. Um, so my, my thought on this song, I, I don't know anything about Born of Osiris. I've never heard, listened to any of their songs before. What I did was I've been listening to shitty metal all month. I want to listen to a fucking just metal ass track. And I think I found a really good one. Yeah. Like, I was telling Dylan, you know, before we started recording here that I've listened to the song maybe 30 times in the last like week. Because it kicks so much fucking ass. It's so goddamn good. It does. It's like, it's it's everything I love about like new age metal. It's like four songs in one. There's a great fucking harmonized guitar solo at the end, which you don't really see because the rest of it's just fucking in your face. 
and yeah it's a, it's a really cool song I, I just discovered it like looking at the release radar for metal this month um there's a, there was a lot of other shit i almost picked um rob zombie has a new album out that i really fucking love the last sh- song on that album is really fucking cool um but i really wanted something that was just really representative of like prog metal which is the kind of metal that i really listen to the most yeah and uh this is a great track for that yeah it goes so hard that i was i didn't even pick like a, a rock song <laughs> he sure I, didn't just, i was like <laughs> you know what i'm gonna let kevin have this one because mine's gonna sound like poopy water compared <laughs> Uh, I picked Holy by Justin Bieber featuring Chance the Rapper. You did, and I (laughs) – go ahead and just say your piece about Um, it. uh, Jay Biebs dropped a new album, and this single has been out for a while, but it's just – it gets me so – it makes me happy. It makes me smile from ear to ear. um, Say what you will about Jay Biebs and say what you will about Chance the Rapper recently. This song is so infectious. Yeah. on God. <laughs> like, oh, man, I can't wait to listen to it as soon as this show's over, dude. God. Uh, it just makes me happy. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally get it because it makes me happy, too. It reminds me. It takes me. It's like it feels like 2007 again. Like, this feels very much like a young Bieber track. Yeah. Like, the way it's delivered. It's it's very much not. Um, but the way it sounds, it sounds like old school. Like, it made me almost think of like Sean Kingston, like that kind of like yes. feel that it gives you like that's shitty music, but it's, it makes you happy. So who cares? You know? Um, yeah, it makes you happy. And you know, chances, chance is still a good rapper. Chance is still one of the best out there, despite what, you know, if you love, love him or hate him now, just because of what he's been doing, you know, being really God focused and all that, that's fine. I mean, he's still extremely talented and his verses are great. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a cool song. It's way longer than I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like almost four minutes long? Yeah. It's, it's nuts. I was like, I was listening to it on the way over. I'm like, is this song still on? <laughs> this is a oh, fucking still pop, doing this. This is a pop song. <laughs> These things are two minutes and 30 minutes, the two minutes and 30 seconds. There's an acoustic version of it that, it's yeah, just as kill cool. me. No, you I don't mean, like it? No, I I wouldn't want to listen to it. No. <laughs> this okay. uh, here's the thing uh, because it's just going to sound like uh, love yourself. You know what I mean? The one he the breakup track he made with Celine. For There's so much more to it though. Is there? Uh, maybe I'll give it a listen then. There's a lot of. I was kind of feeling the same way. Like oh, an acoustic version of a pop song. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the gold. <laughs> thanks. I can't but no wait, thanks. I can't wait to hear all the cool parts of this song stripped away. <laughs> oh fuck, dude. Um so yeah, that was a good place to end it. Um Next week, we are starting a new month. Yeah, and a new gonna be, theme. We're going to be doing, um, what do we call it? I think, I don't, are we still doing instrumentals? Yeah, Instrumental April. Yeah, Instrumental April. We're not we're not clever this month. We, we couldn't it's do pretty it. close. <laughs> Instrumental April. You know, Whatever, it rolls there. off the tongue. <laughs> I think um, it's going to be a challenge, so I'm excited about that. Because instrumental albums, I don't know what kind of notes I'm going to take. When they're like, oh, this sounds cool. Remember that one time he was playing the guitar? <laughs> yeah. It was cool. Hey, you know the next track? He plays guitar. It's really <laughs> neat. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a challenge. Um, if it feels wrong, we, have, we reserve the right to change it. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what you picked, though. Yeah, and if you guys have suggestions for albums, Kevin and I are going to pick our first two, and then we're open to ideas. Yeah, also, for sure. If if we get a good enough suggestion, we'll we'll listen. But we also we're pretty selfish. Oh, yeah, we may also change this thing. I am I am legitimately worried about 
what am I going to say differently about these songs? Yeah, but they're also pretty short. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm ex- I'm excited to do something different, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what this podcast is about, right? It's you know, going off the beaten cleft mm-hmm. and uh, you know, doing. Uh, I love instrumental albums, but there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't give them a chance. He's like, oh, there's no lyrics. What's the fucking point? Well, you listen to mumble rap, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> I think we've said it, words ruin songs, so. Yeah, they and, certainly can. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of metal bands out there where like the instrumentation is like, this fucking kicks ass. And then the guy comes in and he's like, I'm like, fuck, god damn it. There's another metal band I can't fucking listen to. So, I'm picking Strawberry Girls, which is the band's name, an album called Tasmanian Glow. I am super high on this thing right now, bro. Interesting. That's not a grouping of words that I expected to hear. <laughs> Strawberry Girls Tasmanian Glow. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, what is the general theme of this? Because I have no touchstones for anything there. Is it um, like electronic? No, it's... Acoustic? Uh, remember Dance Gavin Dance I showed you them? Yeah. Uh, their drummer is... Their old drummer is the drummer for this, and they have a lot of same guitar... It feels like a, I don't know. Interesting. I can't, I can't wait fun. to discover it because that's, again, that's a group of words I never thought I'd hear grouped together. I've been working out to it. It's it's groovy. Okay, it, cool. It's very, without giving away too much, you'll find yourself wanting to listen to Daft Punk again. Oh, perfect. That's so, all you need to say to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Strawberry Girls Tasmanian Glow. Uh, so we'll be starting instrumental April next month. Uh, let us know what you guys think on our Instagram off the beaten clef mm-hmm. and on Twitter off clef. If you want to shout Kevin out, uh, K Carter 79 on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. Yep. at uh dollar tree. Chris Pratt. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it is dollar tree. Chris Pratt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.